Good morning, Christ Fellowship. If you would, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. We're going to be finishing up this series on the year of the Lord's favor this morning, talking about sight for the blind. Get a little cheer out there or something. <laughs> hey, for those of you who are interested, I don't know who all this is going to apply to, but you know, uh, on February 18th, this coming Wednesday marks 40 days out from Easter, which around the world, different traditions, faith traditions, will be uh, doing something called Lent. And a lot of times somebody will give up something during that season, and I would just exhort you to consider something that you might forego during this time of preparation for the resurrection of the Lord Jesus uh, on the church calendar. Um, for me, uh, this is not in my notes, but I'm just going to go ahead and go ahead and tell you what I, I moved my social media stuff to the far back page on my, on my phone. Doesn't mean that I can't still get to those things, but I'm really going to try to just, just kind of back out of that world for a little bit. Um, Others might do something else, but um, that's just a thought. Okay, everybody doing all right? That was weird, wasn't it? Weird start to the... <laughs> it was like, okay. <laughs> all right, Luke chapter 4, verse <coughs> 18 and 19. So Jesus is in the synagogue at Nazareth. He's reading from Isaiah 61. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So basically what that is, is the mission statement of Jesus. It's not the only place where He lays out what He's trying to do, but it is one of the clear places where He says what He's trying to do. And the Spirit of the Lord is on me, and we want to experience that fullness of God's Spirit in our lives so that we can join Jesus in you know, whatever he's doing. And a few weeks ago, Phil Posey talked about good news to the poor. So we want to follow Jesus in proclaiming good news to the poor. We want to follow Jesus in, in uh, just proclaiming freedom for the prisoners, like we talked about last week. And this message really kind of goes with that one. It's kind of hard to separate all these things into real clean lines, sight for the blind. But we're finishing with sight. And it could have been the starting point and it's something that we always need to be thinking about because our, our tendency apart from God is not to see. Is, is not to see. Sometimes we stumble into the right things, but our tendency is to, to not see. That is to walk in blindness apart from Jesus. In fact, John starts his gospel by saying that the whole world's dark and Jesus comes into the world as the light. The light. The light of the world that shines into the darkness. And so Luke kind of does a similar thing in a couple different places. He has uh, Zechariah, John's dad, prophesying that Jesus was coming into the world to bring light to the world. Simeon takes the baby Jesus. And uh, in chapter 2, verse, see if I can find the reference, verse 29, Simeon says, Sovereign Lord, as you promised, now you can dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you prepared in the sight of all the people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, to the nations of the earth is what he's saying there, to the ethnic groups of the, of the world. 
and for glory to your people Israel because he came from Israel and he is light for everybody, for all the nations. That great news? Jesus, right? So here in Luke 4, Jesus says, I'm stepping into that. I'm stepping into what my calling is to bring sight for the blind. Now, I know it was quiet already a minute ago. We don't like to hear that we don't have sight apart from Jesus. Now, that's actually a major part of the fall. So what was what happened in the fall? Eat this tree, fruit, the, tree of the, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when you eat the tree, eat the fruit, you'll be able to see like God. You'll be able to see things like God. So built into the fall is our own darkness in separating ourselves from the light that comes through God and trusting in ourselves. Does that make sense? We don't like to hear it. Don't get a lot of amens on that. But it's the truth. And we so want to believe that we can know, that we can make right judgments, that we can choose the right thing, not just choose not doing the wrong thing. We want to think, oh, that we can do this. But alas... can't tell you the last time I said, but alas. <laughs> but alas, we cannot. We cannot do it. And that's why Jesus coming as God in the flesh and showing us, bringing light, showing us what God's like, showing us what we could never see on our own. Remember, the guys that studied the Bible more than anybody killed Jesus. He's right in front of them and they call him the devil. We cannot see apart from Him. So, just trying to make that point clear. It's like, without Jesus, we are blind. Without Jesus, we are blind. It's like walking around in my house, try to explain this. I walk around in my house at night, just because i got to get a drink or something. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So you get up, you're out of your bedroom, wherever, you go walking through the living room, and you know kind of where things are at, and so you can kind of, even in the dark, kind of, kind of avoid stuff, you know, and, and, and get around in there to the refrigerator. Tracking with me, okay? So, and everything's great until something gets moved. I told you guys a couple months ago, Kim got this, she insists on having this planner that a friend <laughs> gave her on the end table, and if we sit down on the chair and the couch, I can't see her because there's a plant thing there, and so I always... I don't put it on the floor anymore because of what I'm about to tell you. But I mean, I'm coming through at a pretty good clip because it's dark, but I know where things are at. And I mean, I hit that thing and just free flew in the air, skinned my knee, hurt my hip, you know, just all this stuff. I'm moaning. She comes running in and starts laughing at me. I'm doing full on soccer. It's the gold cup, you know, just, you know. So that's just in our house. Now imagine all of us out there in the world, we're all, we can't see apart from Jesus. Now, we, we, we condition ourselves to where we kind of know what to do in certain situations. So we can kind of, kind of, you know, we can kind of figure things out. And I've done this before, that hurt, I'm going to kind of avoid that. But we can't see like God wants us to be able to see. And so, you know, you start mixing in just my own junk and stuff Mike's lived through, and we've got wounds and hurts and stuff, and then we bump into each other, and it's and over here, and why do you react like that? I don't know. It's, 
but it's, it's complicated because we're all walking around blind and we can't see and we've got all our stuff that we're carrying around with us and I bump into you and I want to donk you on the head or, you know, whatever. And so I was reading this, uh, J- well, actually, let me tell another story first. James and I were talking about this. We'd gone to uh, my, it's almost like my kitchen uh, around here on when I'm eating lunch is Chick-fil-A. And we'd gone to Chick-fil-A and uh, we were driving back and he goes, he goes, it's interesting you say this because, he said, without my contacts on, I am, I, I'm dangerous. In fact, it's illegal for me to even drive. He said, it just it becomes a blurry mess out there pretty quickly, you know, and I don't need to be on the road without my lenses to be able to see right. Jesus is kind of like the, the contact lens that helps us to see the way things really are and it not just be blurry. Um, I read about this, this girl. She wrote an article on her blog. She said she lost one of her contact lenses. And she was standing at the window, and she just thought to like, cover up her good eye, and with her no, the, the eye that didn't have the contact lens, she could just, she's nearsighted, so all she could see was the screen, dirty. There were some bugs in the screen. She's looking out a window, just dirty bugs in the window. But then she covered up her bad eye, and with her good eye, she could see... Whoosh, right out the window. It was a beautiful day, God's creation, beauty, all of that. And that, that's what I'm trying to say. It, it's, like, it's like we can look at life through the, the bad eye, or we can look at life through Jesus and see the way things are supposed to be. When we look to Jesus, we can actually see. And uh, so we desperately need to see. So let's just, just say that together. We desperately need to see. Man, Lord, help us. You know, and it's not just us. I need to see for Kim. She needs to see for me. I, I need to see still for our kids, even though they're out of the house. I need to see for our kids. I need to see for brothers and sisters that I walk with and be able to help. Um, and, you know, it's not just us being able to see, too. Our city needs us to be able to see to be light in this place that shines and joins the other lampstands that help make up the bright burning lampstand of Fort Worth, Texas, where people can see the light of Jesus. It's good news, but it's radically, it's a different reorientation to the lens of Jesus. Here's the main thing I'm trying to say on this site for the blind piece. God's calling us to a lifelong practice. Practice. Why practice? Yeah, we, we just don't get it down. We, we don't perfect, nobody does it perfectly. And so it's, it's a practice. You know, it's an experiment. A lifelong walking in this way of looking to Jesus in order to see and then help others to do the same. So the rest of the Gospel of Luke is filled with a whole bunch of stories about Jesus pe- helping people to see. Sometimes it's physical. He's physically helping them to see. But other times it's this contrast between people who think they're seeing and aren't and people that he's actually helping to see. Okay, so let's, let's take a little, little gander at that. Gander and alas. So far, those are my... Expanding my vocabulary words for today. Okay, so let's look at the contrast. Number one, eyes that are open but don't see. Eyes that are open but don't see. So, Jesus, he's there in the synagogue. He 
says the word there. Today's the scriptures fulfilled in your hearing. They love it. They love him. This is awesome. Hey, will you do some of that stuff you did down in Capernaum? And then he quotes about God coming to the Gentiles and not to the Jews. In two specific instances, it ticks them off. And they, verse 28, all the people in the synagogue were furious. When they heard this, they got up to drive him out of town. They took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Okay, so maybe some of those guys become believers. We don't know. Not in that moment. They're not, right? Can you imagine reflecting reflecting back on that day? Hey, y'all remember the time Jesus was with us in the church service? That was cool, man. He said all this stuff and... Scripture is real powerful. We thought he had authority and stuff. And then he said some stuff that bothered us, and so we wanted to kill him. Crazy, right? And people down through the centuries been doing the same kind of stuff when they don't see with eyes. And we'll talk some more about that. So that kind of thing's happening all over the place in Luke. In Luke 5, verse 20, Jesus forgives a guy... They've lowered him down through the roof, and Jesus forgives this guy. The Pharisees say, who can forgive but God alone? And he says, hey, so you know that you've got the power to forgive here. Rise up, walk. He heals him, forgives him, all of that in the same to- token. The, and the Pharisees are bothered because they have eyes that are open. They see what's happening, but they're not really seeing. Next chapter, Luke chapter 6, Jesus heals somebody on the Sabbath. That bothers the Pharisees. So Jesus comes around on another Sabbath, and the Pharisees are looking for a reason to accuse him. And so, just, just so we know, by definition, the, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. So it's going to be hard when we're looking for reasons to accuse people to see Jesus in the midst of that. It's hard. It's, just, you, it's hard to love and judge at the same time. It, it just is. And we all have to learn lots of different levels of those kinds of lessons, but Jesus then heals that guy. And then the Pharisees, bothered, start trying to figure out what they might do to Jesus. We see it in the different stories. We, uh, we see it in the teaching of Jesus. He wants us to see something. Turn to Luke chapter 8. And I'll just point out a couple of verses in the parable of the sower, which, by the way, Mark says is the most important parable of all. He says, if you don't understand the parable of the sower, how can you understand any parable? It's like this parable has something that is about us seeing, and you can't see any of the others if you don't get this thing about it's got to go down on the inside, and it's not just what you think in your head. There's this mixture of really, really seeing. And so, Jesus tells the parable of the sowers, all these different soils, seeds cast, there's different responses to the seed. And the disciples asked, well, first of all, he says in verse, at the end of verse 8, Luke 8, verse 8, when he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, what's this parable mean? And he said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, But to others I speak in parables, and this is weird, so that seeing, though seeing, they may not see, and though hearing, they may not hear. 
And he goes on to explain the meaning of the parable of the sower, which is the seed sown, but it lands on different kinds of soil. There's a soil that it lands on where it's just quickly snatched up because it's hard, it's the walk in the way of the world. Some it lands on soil and it kind of sprouts up a little bit, but it's choked out real quick. It doesn't grow up into maturity because of the worries of life and riches and pleasures and different kinds of things. It doesn't get a good place to really land. But the soil that he wants us to be in hearing the good news And the good news about him is soil that receives him, looks to him, sees him, trusts in him, and has hope that God is going to bring about in our lives what he promises through his word. Now it's interesting, the very next story, there after the parable of the sower, is the lamp on a stand. Now he says, hey, when you got a lamp, you don't put it under a table, you put it up on a stand so that everyone can see it. Now we're talking about seeing and light And listen what he says, though. This is just interesting. He says, therefore, verse 18, consider carefully how you listen. Isn't that interesting? So, put a lamp up on a stand. There's light, but I want you to be careful how you listen. There's something about our our listening, but listening with our eyes and our heart, our mind and our soul, all that we are, really looking to Jesus and saying, Lord, give me insight on this. Give me your perspective on what I'm thinking about right now. It, just one more little tidbit on this. If you'll turn back to Luke chapter 11, there's another story that, that Jesus tells about the lamp of the body. And again he says, no one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it's going to be hidden or under a bowl Instead, he puts it out where people can see it so that you can light up dark things with the light. Your eye is the lamp of the body. When your eyes are good, your whole body's full of light. But when they're bad, it's full of darkness. See to it that the light within you is not darkness. That is one of the most sober warnings in Scripture to me. And it's sobering because, uh, you know, if it's, it's why it's so important for us to look to Jesus. Because we can have all kinds of ideas about what the Bible means, how to interpret Scripture, and all that kind of stuff. But if we're not looking through the lens of Jesus, we can get off track real quick. Watchman Nee has a little book called Spiritual Reality or Obsession. And I haven't read the whole thing in years. But basically, he's saying, we can either live in truth, or we can live in obsession. Truth is where we look to Jesus, and His light is on the inside of us, and we're holding on to light as it is, it's light. Obsession is where we have some darkness on the inside of us, but we think it's light. Isn't that sobering? Like, the, the light that you think you have isn't light, but it's actually darkness. It doesn't get much worse than that. So that's how they were able to kill Jesus, right? Just straight up, you know? Just, wow, we're doing God's will right now, killing Jesus. And it's just, you know, this, the, the, the humility, the non-hypocrisy of, of going the way that's not the Pharisees' way, but saying, Jesus, I can't see apart from you. This is the humility that we need in coming to God. I can't see apart from you, Lord. I don't want 
light that I think that I have on the inside to be to actually be darkness. What a ah, what a bummer. The great news <laughs> you guys were getting down. The great news is that the Holy Spirit, more than anything else, wants to lead us to Jesus. That's what he does. He leads us to Jesus. He takes what is from Jesus and makes it known to us. That promise, I just can't get over that promise. When the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus says in John 14, 20, on that day, you'll realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And we get to share this life by the power of my Spirit within you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit inside of you, living this life out. That's the hope. I can't do it on my own, but I can turn to Jesus and say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I don't see, but I want to. Only in your light can I see light. And that's the good news. That's part two. That's the so contrast, eyes that see, that are open, but don't, don't see. Everybody tracking with me? Not too heavy? Get it? Okay. The second piece, then, is eyes that see by looking to Jesus. So there in Luke 10... Interesting, he sent the disciples out. They've come back. They're like, yes, demons flee when we use your name. This is awesome. Luke 10, 21, Jesus, that time, at that time, full of joy, through the Holy Spirit said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to, be, to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. And no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Then He turned to His disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you, many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see but did not see it. And to hear what you hear but did not hear it. So these are eyes that are seeing by looking to Jesus because he says, point blank, no one's seen the Father, period. No one but me, Jesus. And I am revealing him to you. Okay? Y'all, you have never heard me say that before, right? It's just a radical reorientation of life because in our default mode, we go to distraction. Our default mode is we go to what I think, what my opinions are, etc., etc., etc. Life apart from God. So, even just in the end of that chapter there, Jesus says to uh, Mary, uh, to, to Mary and Martha, Martha's tick because her sister's not helping her. He says, look, Martha, Mary's chosen the best thing. She's sitting in there just looking at Jesus. You know, and there's time to cook. But there's a time to keep our eyes on the Lord. And if there's a choice, it's look to the Lord, right? So Jesus gives eyes that see God. If you want to write these things down in your outlines there. Eyes that see God, the way He is. He is the lens. for look. He is the only lens for understanding an accurate picture of God. No one's ever seen the Father but Him. Jesus then, at the end of Luke Luke 24, at the resurrection, after the resurrection, he's walking. It's an interesting story. He's walking with the disciples, road to Emmaus. He's walking alongside them, you know, and they are just, they're bummed. 
Jesus is dead. They don't see him. They don't recognize him. He's talking about stuff. And finally, he's almost like he's frustrated almost. How foolish you are and slow of heart to believe that all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all, in all the scriptures concerning himself. So they see him later in the breaking of the bread. They walk all the way to Emmaus. They have the meal. He breaks the bread. And then they see him and then he go, he's gone. He, dis, he disappears. And part of it is, I think the Lord wants us to see that he's with us. And from time to time, we experience his manifest presence. Man, I mean, it's like, whoa. But he does that so that he wants us to know his abiding presence with us all the time. He's never not with us. He's always with us. Not going to leave you. Not going to forsake you. He's holding our life together by the power of his word and everything else. He sustains our life. He is our life. So Jesus gives eyes that see God. Jesus gives eyes that see salvation and healing. I, in my Bible, that Luke 5, if it's 12 or 13, I don't remember which one. Uh, Luke uh, 5.13. When the, le- the man with leprosy comes to Jesus and says, if you're willing, you can heal me. And I love Jesus. I just got that highlighted there because I thought, how many times have I ever wondered whether or not Jesus was willing? And that's just like this incredible word, like, I'm willing for healing, for salvation. Same word, so-so. You know, I'm, I'm willing to bring that into your life. I'm willing to do that. So that's what Jesus gives us eyes to see is His salvation, His freedom. He gives us eyes to see freedom. Freedom is what we talked about last week over sin. Freedom from death. Freedom over the power of the devil in our lives. He gives us eyes to see through trials. Now, this is an interesting one. Luke 9.51 there, it's like a turning point in the Gospel of Luke. And it says, Jesus then resolutely set his eyes on Jerusalem. Now, what was he going there to do? To die. So, he knows that a trial is coming, but what does Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2 says? That it was for the joy that was set before him that he went through the trial of the cross. Because he could see all of us being brought into life. Hope. Salvation, all that's happened down through the centuries because He went through that trial. It's like Hebrews 11. He go through, it's the hall of fame of faith. These faith guys, right? Moses, he looked past the pleasures of sin because he knew that there was a call on his life to do something. He, by faith, I always think this is interesting, Hebrews 11, whatever that verse is about Moses, says he looked to Christ. Isn't that interesting? Moses looking to Christ. What it says, he looked to God's deliverer, God's salvation, God's Messiah coming, you know, through the trial. And that's an important word for us because everybody here has been, is right now, or will be going through trials. Thanks for the encouragement, Jamie. And it's just life, man. You know, it's like the. It's, and so, how we see things, it's a really big deal. I can look with my bad eye, and all I can see is the problem. 
It's like looking at that screen. All I can see are the dead bugs and the stuff. But if I look with the good eye, with the lens of Jesus, I can see through that thing into the future that's bright. Where everything is awesome. A little movie reference for uh, parents of small children. <laughs> the Lego movie. Yeah, and so th- that last little piece there I just want to hit on is it's I can see the way things should be. The way things should be. That's what Jesus did. He saw the way things should be and walked that out all the way to the cross. And in my life and in your life, when you're tempted to just like forget this, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done with this. You can take this and do something with it. (laughs) We see Jesus. And it's like He empowers us to press through, to see through, and to look to the way things ought to be. So moving forward, what do we do with this? It's a call to look to Jesus. This is a call to look to Jesus. Following Jesus in His mission, following Him just for our own lives, but also for the sake of others. So to do that, then, we need eyes that see. We need eyes that see. When our heart is hard, when my heart is hard, I can't see past my hurt. Okay, I get hurt about something, and my heart gets hard, and I can't see past that. In fact, it's what comes up, trying to have just a normal conversation with somebody, and they're trying to say some stuff, and I'm like, finish, finish. No, I'm going to tell you about my hurt, my pain. I didn't really hear what you said. Not really bringing a vision of Jesus into this deal. So when my heart's hard, I can't, ah, I just can't move forward past the hurt. When we're, or even just neutral. Let's, let's say, maybe it's not negative. Maybe you're just neutral. And I, I would propose, throughout there is a possibility, that when our hearts are neutral, we default to distraction. When we are disengaged, we default just gravity. We just water runs down here to distraction. You know, we live in the land of a thousand, a million, billion choices, especially since the internet, right? You go on there and you get to say, I wonder about, and, you know, we don't even have conversations the way we used to. At our house, it's like we, any point of disagreement or, well, not, I'm not sure about those statistics. And then she has to go, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. That's only good for one service. So I <laughs> oh, man, where was I? Yeah. So this is why we need practice. That's why we said that in the main thing. This is why we need practice at this stuff because we don't, we don't do it perfectly. We don't do it just right all the time. And it's always... Ah, we need to see. Let me just say this. It's always bigger than what we currently see. God's vision for us is always bigger than what we currently see. You know, so nobody's kind of like, oh yeah, I stood up on the hill. Da-da-da. You know, and that's, I've got the grand, glorious deal, and that's it. It's always more. That's good news, man. I mean, that's just like, it's a, 
God's doing something bigger than what I can see. And that encourages me. That's, but that's all the more reason, again, why we need to see and have this perspective of practicing looking to Jesus in all things. And the second piece of that is that our city needs us to have eyes that see. It needs us to have eyes that see. To be people that know the Lord. Our city needs us to walk in freedom. Our city needs us to have sight. Our city needs us to preach good news to the poor. Our city needs us to be walking in these things so that we can share the life, the peace, the grace, the joy, and have attractive kind of lives that make it look like, wow, what's going on with them? Our city needs us to know how to find our strength in God when we are beat, worn out, tired, want to quit. Our city needs us to be people that know how to overcome and find God in the midst of it without, you know, and we've, we've talked about a lot of this in the last few months. What rhythms, Sabbath, all, all that kind of stuff. Our city needs us to know how to go through trials and make it and have joy about us and have a testimony that's about what God's doing, how I'm trusting the Lord through this situation. Our city needs us to have marriages and relationships that work, that know how to keep commitments and work through hard things without bailing, letting go of the relationships. At the last connecting class, you know, we had, uh, had a great connecting class, a lot of neat people connecting with the church uh, uh, just a few weeks ago. But one, uh, one of the couple, one person was asking, hey, so... The, on the membership thing, why do we do that? And I kind of went through some of the things why we do membership and, and uh, so the elders can kind of know who, the, the shepherds can know who the sheep are in the flock and that kind of thing. But one of the deals is, and especially in our culture, it's so that we can learn how to make and keep commitments. Where we lock arms with other brothers and sisters and we work through hard things without bailing. Okay, and so, you know, I know the Lord leads people to do different things from time to time, and He may lead somebody in here to do something different at some point. That's, 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 our hands are open, open hands of the kingdom. We've sent out hundreds to plant churches, and it's just been a, I want you to be where God wants you to be. But when it's time, if it's time to ever move on, move on in the grace of God, having worked through those relationships and not bailing on the process of working through the relationship. It's like, if you, because if you don't, if you don't work through those things, you go to the next place, and the problem is, you're, you go, you're still there with you when you get over there. So you're over there, and, and it's just another, you've got to do whatever that lesson was God was trying to teach us. Um, so it's just another time around the mountain, Hey, I, this feels familiar. <laughs> and it's because He wants us to grow through those. And you know what? I'll just say this. Even as you grow older in the Lord, a lot of times it's not just like, oh, I never had a relational problem or something. It's just, it takes it to another level, deeper, whatever. You know, the enemy's using the same stuff. God's taking those lessons and making them deeper in our hearts. One of our greatest temptations will be to have eyes that are open but don't see. And uh, because we don't look to Jesus. 
and be thinking that we're seeing. That's a, that's a great temptation. And mostly it's distractions. We're just living life apart from the one thing. You know? It just, it's me. I struggle with this. We all, it's, nobody's like, oh wow, I feel like he's just preaching to me. And could just, everybody that kind of feels any sense of this, could you just slip your hand up a little bit to help encourage the other people that think they're the only ones that struggle with this? Awesome. Jimmy uh, sent out a, uh, Jimmy Seibert down at Waco sent out a, we're part of a movement uh, that's based in Waco, and he sent out a little email to all the U.S. Uh, lead pastors, and he said, hey, watch this, I feel like this is a word for, the, for, the ch- for our church, but for the movement right now, and uh, the message was entitled something like this, Not Distracted for Him and Them. And I just, you know, I got to basically saying, hey, we want to keep our focus on Jesus and not just lose ourselves in all the things of the culture for God's sake and for the sake of people that yet are yet to know Him. For Him and them. Not distracted. For Him and them. The Lord does want us proclaiming His favor this year in 2015. He does want us speaking this message of good news and freedom for the prisoners, sight for the blind, releasing the oppressed, all of that. But there's a piece of it that gets worked out in our lives as we let go of some things, you know, uh, even things that, you know, uh, just like one of the things like about church and church life is that it's really important, but a lot of times it's not urgent. It's like one of those things that's, man, I, I want to have a walk with Jesus. I want to be in the Scriptures. I want to grow in God. And in a major way that God has given us to do that is by being a part of church life. And the relationships and working through stuff and going, uh, I, I, don't want to, I just don't want to mess with it. Meanwhile, we're making a hundred other choices during the course of the week that are running our lives ragged. And whatever you do about church, church life, spiritual walk, growth, make sure, Lord, lead me. Give me your eyes about what needs to stay on my plate and what needs to go. It's just a big deal. Walk with Jesus. Follow Him. He will give us wonderful ways to make a difference in our city because people's eyes, they are, our city needs us to shine. Our city needs... Wedgwood Baptist ran into Pastor Al Meredith, father in the city. They need a shine. Wedgwood, Lord, bless Wedgwood Baptist. May the Lord bless McKinney Bible Church and Travis and Christ Chapel and all the different, you know, big, small, medium, every place where Jesus is getting lifted up and the light is shining. This city needs all of us shining, engaged with God so that we can proclaim the good news of grace, the year of the Lord's favor found in Jesus Christ. And may it start 